Welcome to episode 7 of the Motor City Gameworks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pinchback, and with me tonight are my good friends, business partners, and professional container ship trackers, Matt Riddle and Adam Hill. What's up, man? What's up, boys? What's going and on? also, we have a bonus tonight. Yes. Our good buddy, educator, and gaming industry fixture... Mr. Kevin Crowther. What's up, Kevin? What's going on? What an intro. What's up? Right. Yeah. our first guest ever. It is. You are the first, first guest 100%. ever. Man. Oh, yes. Yes. Listen, this is kind of like a basketball team. Really not, there's already not enough balls to go around. You know, there's a lot of chit chat here. So a yeah. guest is just, you know. What he's trying to say is Matt sucks all the oxygen say. out of the room usually. So me and Adam have trouble. I'm like, uh, I'm like Russ Westbrook. I got the ball in my hands a yeah, lot. I, I mean, I've listened to the show. I listen to you guys. You're my buddies. Yeah. Or, or Harden's probably a bit more apropos, but whatever. He's he's a volume shooter. Yeah. He's right. going to get us points. It's just going to take him sometimes 20 shots, sometimes 40. I'm just here to be the Ed McMahon today, right? Like, yes. <laughs> hey So, guys, this is a podcast about tabletop board games and card games, and specifically about our company, Motor City Gameworks. But it's also about our lives, and it's yep. more about our journey as friends as we run this company and we go through life. And... We, we have to mention what's been going on in our area, yep. Matt. Me and you both live in Oxford, Michigan. Adam, you live one town over. Kevin, you live another one town over. Our community's just been wrecked recently with this horrendous event. Um, Oxford, Michigan, if you have not heard, uh, you're living under a rock or something. Just a tragic school shooting a couple weeks ago. Four of our students were killed in the hallway. Another seven or so were shot. 1,800 others are you know traumatized because they were in the building. Matt, your daughter was one yep. of them. So... You know, it's tough to get back to normal life and have a good time and talk about things. You have all this guilt, this survivor guilt about, oh, it wasn't my kid. Is it, you know, is it okay? All my feelings, it's, you're feeling so much. And then you even feel guilty for like trying to get back to some source of normalcy. But, you know, especially in your house, Matt, like how's it been going the last couple yeah. of days, the last week? No, um, it's, it's been a lot. So we, you know, we're doing okay. I mean, uh, it, it's, you know, as Ben referenced, right? So the, the school shooting that occurred in Oxford, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, they happen so often in America, but you still don't think it's going to happen to you. It's one of those kind of deals. And we, you know, unfortunately it did, you know, to Ben's point. And Emma was in the school at the time. Uh, she's a senior at Oxford High School. Now, my, my other daughter, Lily, and a lot of you know I have two daughters. She actually goes to the neighboring district where my wife teaches. So uh, Emma was in the band room uh, with, you know, about 80, 90 other kids. And when the school shooting started, they, they had an Alice alert come over the PA. They made it very clear that it wasn't a drill, so they barricaded in the, the band room immediately, which is what they're taught to do. You lock the doors from the inside, you push the desk in front of the doors. Uh, they waited a few minutes, and they had a sub, actually, that day who wasn't exactly sure what the protocols were. And uh, the next thing you're supposed to do, which it's, it's you know, it, it hurts my heart that they have to, to be taught these things, but they, but they are. That's just the reality of it, um, is to, if you're able to escape the building, escape the building. And they did. So the the band room is at the back of the school, luckily quite far from where things were occurring. And there is a door that leads to to the outside. And uh, the, the school sits kind of up on a hill, and below the school there's like an apartment complex and a golf course, and then a mire. And the mile the mire is the, kind of their marshalling point uh, if you do manage to to get out of the school. So they they the kids began rushing out. You know, one young man climbed a fence and kind of opened this gate so they could kind of cut through the apartment complex and through the golf course and. I was in the office that day, and um, you know, selfishly for me, the you know the the worst part, frankly, is you know Emma calls me at you know one o five. I think it began a little before a little before one, and uh, bawling. And you you know as a as a parent, um, you know you hear fear that you shouldn't have to hear 
you know, you know, your kids deal with stuff, right? And you and you want to help them process, but to just you know to hear the incredible fear that she was feeling as she you know flees a place that was for her safe, um, it sucked. If I'm you know going to be honest, and um, I told the story a lot, but it still gets me sometimes. So you know, but also at the same time, right? Just direct relief because I knew she was okay. You know, and I you don't know at that point what's going on. You don't know if it's a if it's you know a, a a threat that wasn't real. In this case, obviously, we found out later it was a very real threat. But, you know, she let me know that she was okay at that point. She had, you know, been out of the school and they had, at that point, were on the way to Meyer. So I left work immediately, came home. Luckily, my wife, uh, Carly, works at a school very, very close in the neighboring district. So she was able to uh, get a hold of her and she was able to come to the school and meet her at Meyer and then kind of just, frankly, for the next couple hours, be there as they began to kind of process kids out. So, you know, for me personally, right, in my family, I mean, Emma was, it's tough because, you know, it's one of those things where, like Ben said earlier, right, there is a little bit of survivor's guilt. And you, you sometimes you feel bad for feeling good because yeah. you're happy, you know, it wasn't your kid. And then you feel terrible for the kids who had, and parents who faced this and families. And then even Emma faces that, right? She's like, right. you know, I'm, I'm okay and I'm glad I'm okay, but I feel bad for being glad I'm okay. So that said, you know, we are getting back to normal. You know, you, you start to do things you're used to doing. You know, for the first week or so, you know, every night there was a vigil or a, a get together, and she did a lot of those things. They're slowed down quite a bit now. Um, you know, she still has a few things here and there. Like tomorrow, they got some stuff going on. They actually had a thing today for a lot of the students, and you know, Oxford's done a good job of kind of rallying around them. And you know, they haven't gone back to school. I don't. They won't till after break. So uh, it's it's been a lot, but we're you know we're through it. I, I think from a perspective of at least we're beginning to realize okay, we can kind of go back to thinking about college and thinking about graduating and the things that are going to be happening in the future now. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Dave. That survivor guilt is, is such a real thing because, you know, as, as a pastor in the area, we have a lot of our kids, uh, in our, in our youth group ministry and all of that, that are going to Oxford that are at Oxford. As a matter of fact, one of our young men was in the band room with Emma. Yep. Um, and just, ministering to them just hearing them talk and and how it, it, it's interesting when people and this this is not just true in moments of great tragedy like this um but in 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 grief in general when someone close to you uh dies it's very normal for you to become a ghost um that you stop wanting to laugh and stop wanting to be happy because you feel like somehow you're not honoring how much that person meant. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that that's true of people of all ages, people of all levels of maturity. And so then you, you know, you take these high schoolers who on top of it are in this incredibly tragic situation and they're in a really difficult place to know how they're even supposed to feel. And so, you know, you mix that with shock, you mix that with just fear, you mix that with all kinds of different things going on and the, and the, and the trauma that's there. And it becomes a real, um, it, it's, it's just extraordinarily hard for anyone and especially those kids and, and for the parents, because I mean, the parents are supposed to know what to do. Mm -hmm. And the truth is none of us know what to do. I mean, like, we, uh, there, there's, we, we didn't, none of us know what we're doing. Right. And so mm. it's, it's just really challenging. Um, and then as all the copycat stuff happens, it's so frustrating. Um, you know, and it just ripples out, uh, mm -hmm. through the area. I know that my son who goes to a different high school, 
um, you know, they had a couple of different yep. threats that were found. And so they got evacuated to a local middle school or else evacuated and sent home. And it was, and it's just been, um, you know, I know that Kevin, where you teach just, they had to cancel classes and things yeah. like that. Like it's just been, it's, it's such a difficult thing to try and work through. And, you know, these kids will never get over this. Right. Um, but you, 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 you technically shouldn't get over things. You should work through them. Um, that that's much healthier emotionally. Um, and so, you know, just helping people work through right now, I've uh, been able to plug into a few things that are in the area and that's been good, but just always want to be able to help more, mm-hmm. uh, because you just never know, um, you know, if you can make that one person, if you can make a difference in just one person's life and trying to bring them some peace or some comfort or help them take that next step as they're working through it. That's, I mean, that's really what, that's really what all of us are trying to do. Yeah. And that's going to be huge. Um, after the holiday, I think is, you know, the community has been amazing and not just our local community, like the state and even like nationally, like people have really rallied around our community, but that's like the popular thing to do now. But like after the holiday, these kids are still going to have all this grief and kind of a lot of that support fades away. So those of us in the community, it's going to be so important that we remember that these kids are hurting and they need community they need to get together with healthy um relationships and they need spaces to do that rebecca and i are like very fortunate in the summer we started um volunteering as leaders at our local church youth group and we've got to know a ton of the youth and a lot of the oxford kids and surrounding kids and it was just the timing ended up really cool because we had three or four months to get to know these kids before the greatest tragedy of their life. So that like, we didn't have anything great to say to them in the last couple of weeks, but we've been there constantly. Mm -hmm. We've had many get togethers and events and counseling sessions where we're just able to be there. And it, it means a lot to these kids to just know that people are there. We had this event like the Saturday, even after the event happened, the kids were so in a bad place. It Matt's um, sister's house. We just had a game night of all things. You know, we talk about board games are so cool because we get around the table and it's this, you know, visceral thing to, to actually have human interaction. But like in this instance, it was so true. We had like 45 kids go over to Matt's sister's house just to play board games and goof around and get some laughs and get their mind off things. And like I was telling Matt, me and the middle schoolers were sitting around playing Super Fight and just laughing as a dozen of us were playing just as silly, you know, another apples to apples kind of derivative. But we just had so many laughs and like that's what they needed and it was so great to have that and just remembering that they're going to need that so much more in the coming mm-hmm. weeks and months and to not let them languish and get lost in the shuffling. The worst thing we can do is to let kids get isolated. Mm-hmm. We need to give them community and let them know, bring them in, go find the ones that are struggling and, and just continue to bring them in and love on them. And Kevin, what are you seeing, you know, local district? What's Yeah, so I, I teach at Lake Orion High School, which is the the joke is Lake Orion is Oxford South and Oxford is Lake Orion North. Um, and while we're bitter rivals, we're also really just one big community. And it's true, yeah. Um, you know, realistically, the the kids at Orion are affected, you know, quite a bit. Very similar to the Oxford kids with the survivor goat. Like we have, you know, lots of kids who knew plenty of the, those kids that either were killed or were, were, you know, hurt and still, you know, working through their injuries. And it's, uh, it's tough to see. And, and to piggyback of what Adam was saying, you know, they're never like, they don't know how to deal with this. 
right? And none of us do. But from an educator's perspective, because what's going on right now in the world with COVID and then these kids haven't been socialized for two years, in a lot of ways, they're emotionally stunted. Mm. And they're they're already two years less mature than what you would expect them to be. And so you're talking about, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids who emotionally are two years younger, even than that. It's tough. It's tough. Um, and I know a lot of the Lake Orion students are going to the vigils and, you know, supporting all of their friends and their and families, you know, that live in Oxford because yep. like, you know, you live in Lake Orion or you live in Oxford, but realistically you just live in that area. It's Northern Oakland County. Right. Right. Yeah. We see a lot of, I mean, like I said, Lily, Lily goes to the school that, that Kevin teaches at to the point, Matt, you have one in each school, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Just because they're neighboring districts. My wife works in Lake Orion as well, much like Kevin does. And you know, what we see, you know, I, I think too for Emma and, Emma's a great kid, and, and I'm very lucky. She's you know very open with me. We communicate a lot. And to your point, you know she has not been isolated. She's been either with us or friends, etc. But I mean, her she's a senior this year, which is fantastic. It also means I'm very old. And you know she's had her high school career has been two years of pandemic, and now this right. So she's been impacted sophomore, junior, and senior year with something that I a kid shouldn't have to be impacted by. And I get it. Pandemic, no one can control that. It, it sucks for everybody. But I just I see these kids and I feel awful. You yeah. know that. And I'm, you know, she's looking at universities for next year and, you know, she'll get into several, I'm sure, and she'll get to choose. And that's going to be a great moment for her. But I look back at her high school career and think, man, I mean, there's so much that was different for you that so many folks, like, you know, I never had to face, you know, none of us had to face. And even kids younger and older than her never really had to quite face. I I feel terrible for, you know, a lot of the folks, kids around her age that have had to deal with all these things during what is often one of the better times of your life. Right. And the university where I teach. Um, and I'm a professor at, it's the same university actually that, uh, Ben's wife, uh, works at and teaches at, um, we have students there from Oxford. We have an, an uh, an advanced enrollment program, uh, yep. where they're taking college classes for uh, credits and Emma's all that. Emma's in it. Emma's in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had two of those in one of my classes, two of those students in one of my classes this semester. And I mean, they're just shell shocked man they're just yeah it, it it's it's heartbreaking to see young people mm-hmm. you know dealing with this but here they are you know it's their senior year yep. and it's it's been ruined i mean it's, and not not that and that's by far the least of their concerns even right. in terms of the whole the whole you know obviously the loss of life is the most tragic thing but it's just you know like you said, kind of for the third straight school year, they're dealing with something that is beyond their control and that is incredibly sad. Right. You know, the only thing I see from my small sample size of, of the students this age, what they're going through and how they're viewing the world is I feel like they're being positioned to have much more empathy and love than the generations coming before them. I think from what you see, like from Emma, when you talk to her and, you know, you know, the way she views the world, you see a lot more social conscious in a good way and a lot Mm -hmm. more love and understanding. And like, why does it have to be this way? And, you know, we always joke about at work, millennials got us beards and they got us work from home. But 
I think that generations coming up care a lot more about relationship and about each other mm-hmm. and about like doing the right thing than probably we did and our parents did. Yep. And, and I don't know why. It, right. It's like our generations kind of just screwed it up, making as much money as we could and being jerks to each other. I feel like this next generation is positioned to to do better than we. We were done. ready to just completely go to war against the man, and then we got sixty inch televisions, and we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, maybe middle management's <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> it's true. No, it really is. And I, I totally agree with Ben. I see. You know, I, I think sometimes, right? We maybe can be grumpy old men. We're like, ah, those darn kids aren't you know don't work hard enough. Or, but I'm like, also, why should they? You know, and I, and I and I see these changes that are that are being driven by you know folks I don't always agree with necessarily. That's not the point, but I see them driving change that I think is is important change. And I also see, yeah. you know, to Ben's point, you know, a lot of you know uh, more socially and even I would say you know, you kind of look at the reaction to an event like this. And I don't obviously we weren't we weren't in Columbine twenty years ago when that happened, but I'd be shocked if there was the you know level of mental health access, you know, mental health tools that these these kids are, have been given that there was back then because we're so much more aware of that in a good way. And that's one of the first things that the school district did was reach out to you know local counselors and even the online tools that are available now and just make those that make those available to their students. And I think that, you know, that's part of what's changing for the better with this this next generation is they're they're more conscious of that, more aware of that, and they're trying to drive changes, you know, to, to positively impact mental health in general. And they really are. And they are. And the scary thing is we still need to be better. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like as, as much as there is compared to 20 years ago, we still need way more access to mental health care. Right. For sure. And just the just the folks realize, you know, I I, we're, I think a lot of us are Ted Lasso fans. You know, I kind of laughed at like the, you know, he calls it the Midwestern um, like skepticism for right. mental health care. And, and that's that's a real thing. Right. Like we. You know, especially I think there's a bit of a Midwestern slant stigma stigma where we're like, ah, it's not, you know, not only is it not real, whatever, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Cause it's like, you know, it's a, there's, a, and I don't think that's necessarily always a bad attitude, but you know, the, we're going to tough it out and figure something. We're going to still going to figure it out instead of seeking help. And I think we're doing a, we're seeing generationally it get better at folks being more willing to acknowledge that help is needed. But to Kevin's point, it is an uphill battle. Yeah. Like, and Rebecca and I have dealt with this for, 12 years um you know when you adopt five kids um four of which from foster care you're gonna you're gonna deal with mental health for sure i mean all parents are gonna deal with mental health but just we kind of get it on a silver platter with you know our one son had eight families before he lived with us at two years old so like we're very familiar with even how the healthcare industry and insurance doesn't support mental health and you just Mm. like we're very blessed. Me and Matt say it all the time. We work for this big, stupid company that pays us well and we can afford things like out-of-pocket medical yep. expenses. So for us, it's like, oh, so-and-so needs counseling or whatever. Okay, we'll just pay the bill. But there's so many people that aren't they positioned can't. to pay those bills out-of-pocket for the mental health that the insurance isn't picking up. To Kevin's point, we have so far to go right. to treat it serious. Um, I had someone tell me one time about my son that you know really struggles and we, we've worked with him a ton. And he's like, if, you, if he had you know like a physical ailment like you know a, a, a leg or something like if he was handicapped in that way would you treat him the same it's like well no you would give him the accommodations he needs it's like well it's the exact same thing just because it's his brain doesn't mean it's not a tangible real thing where he needs special treatment and special accommodations or whatever and you really have to respect that and clearly we need to do way better because you know 
Um, there's so many kids that are hurting. And that was, you know, so many things about this event broke my heart and I'm just grieving for our community, but just the thought that there was a student out there that was so isolated and felt so alone that he felt like this was his only, you know, his path, like, you know, and we're, we're busting our humps to get to every kid, you know, Kevin, you're, you know, you've coached, you know, you're one of the positive, cool teachers and all you guys, you know, active in the community, Adam, you have people over to your house all the time. Like, we're trying to get to all the kids, but it's like you just can't reach everybody. And you just, it breaks my heart that there's kids out there that are right. hurting silently to this level. And right. just, we haven't got to them. Yeah, we, we did, uh, like, we have a, a homeroom and we do a lot of focus on mental health and, and, you know, positivity. And we did an activity this week and we, we handed out these postcards to kids. And the instructions were basically write a note to a trusted adult in the building. Just say, hey, thanks for being a trusted adult. So I passed those out and let the kids work on them. And then at the end, I collected them and they got turned in and they're going to be distributed to those people. But at the end, I went around and I'm collecting these cards and one kid, uh, I, I go to ask his card, to get his card and he's like, oh, I didn't write anything. I was like, why not? He's like, I don't have anyone here. And I, my heart just sunk and I went, Oh, dude, man, I'm sorry to hear that. You know what's going on, and you know, wh what can I do? And and he's like, well, like I did have someone here, but like they left, they got a different job, and and so like, and I have seniors. I have a senior class uh, for that, you know, that homeroom, and uh, it's like, well, you got four or five more months to try to find somebody, you know, you know, and just having to talk to him, but like it, it literally broke my heart to hear a kid who's 17, 18 years old, and says. I don't have a single person in this building that I can trust, hmm. you know? And, and I've, I've known his family. Like he, like I had his sister in class several years ago and it's like, man, that's, that's tough to hear, mm -hmm. you know? But when you've got 2,400 kids, 2,500 kids in the building and a and hundred teachers, you know, unfortunately sometimes kids just don't feel like they're part of it, yep. you know? Yeah, and we're we're doing as much as we can. Those of us that care, we're out there putting in the time at all these events, and we're just trying to to reach every kid possible. But yeah. I mean, it did it did come out that that he's like, well, I just I've got trusted adults is just not in the building, you know. But you're like, but, hey, what about me, man? Come on, right? Well, the the problem is like this is this is a group of kids that we only see like for thirty minutes, like every other week. Yeah. And you don't really develop relationships yeah. really fast or really well with, with a group like that. Now, if you've got the same kids, the same group for four years straight, well, that's great. But that I kind of got placed with this group that I haven't really spent any time with because of COVID for the last two years. And we were, you know, remote education and, and all of those right. things. So I haven't really developed relationships with many of these kids. Um, I try and stuff and I try to be the, the cool guy and like be positive and talk to him. But, um, which probably makes me the uncool guy. Cause I'm trying to be the cool guy. <laughs> but, um, but, and, but some of them are coming around, even though we've only had been together for, you know, two and a half hours of our lives. You know, there's a few that have kind of come around and will, will talk with me and say hi to me in the hall and that sort of thing. But yeah, I went tough. to Adam for a little pep talk when me and Rebecca started helping out with the youth because I'm like, man, I'm not cool. I don't, I don't know what they're into. And he goes, it doesn't matter. He's like, they spell love, T-I-M-E, man. 
just time. Just be there for them and just hang out. doesn't matter if you're a dork or nerdy. That sounds like something I'd say. It is what you said. <laughs> so just be there and hang out. So if you're listening your local community, just get out there. Just, just spend time with these kids. They're hurting. What Kevin said is so true, and I see it in my kids. Two years of isolation, limited activity. I mean, it's 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 done a number on, on the kids' morale. And um, get out there, man. Just hang out with them. Yeah. So, guys, it and feels... That's, what, oh, go ahead. That's what go people... Ahead. That's what, and that's true for everyone. Like, you don't have to be in a community that's gone through a tragedy. Like, the people around it's you... It's true. They, they, whether or not they know it, they spell love, T-I-M-E. And so just invest in the people around you. Spend time with the people around you. You know, it's moments like this that kind of remind you what's important. And, you know, no one's, no one's ever, you know, at the end of their life thought, boy, I wish I had sat through just one more meeting. <laughs> you know, or man, I wish I had worked a little more overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just, and I, and I think that that's some of what this generation is getting is that, that this kind of re-centering of what is really important to them yeah. and being true to that. And, you know, just uh, just invest. Spend time with the people you love. Man, wise words from Adam. Holy cow. It is. I know. Yeah, we should let that guy talk more. I know. Because, like, you know, when you said that, I started thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, I got to spend more time, like, doing this stuff, like, hanging out with you guys. Like, yeah. three of my best friends in the world, and we see each other, like, I know I it's know, a travesty, man. Every every other month, maybe. We text a but lot. Twice, but it's twice in two it's days. To see twice in two days, because I get to see you guys tomorrow too. Exactly. Well, we're going into the class. Well, so so not to set it aside, but but let's move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about something kind of fun. Kevin, guest of the show. I love you so much because maybe five, six years ago, you can tell me the real number you approached. I don't know if you got to go to the school board, your principal, the math department, whatever you did. All of the above. You pitched him this idea. Hey, the seniors are lacking a math credit and they only have so many options. You can tell the story how it actually happened, but I want to do a game design class and it should count as math. Here's my proposal. And for some crazy reason, they let you do it which is amazing. Um, so I'll let you talk about in just a couple seconds. For the last bunch of years, me and Matt and Adam and Clayton Hargrave, uh, you've invited us in usually like once a semester to come talk to your class about game design. I love seeing what you're doing with the kids. You always have them building their prototypes and writing their rules and play testing each other's games. Like it is so cool what you're doing. Why don't you tell our listeners what you've been up to at the high school You know, in this class? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a long story, right? And I don't want to take too much time, but um, I have to give props to who inspired me to do this. Um, I don't even remember how many years ago now it was, but it was it was Gen Con. Um, I went to Trade Day before Gen Con one year, and I was just yeah, we're gonna check it out. And essentially, I went because I thought it'd be cool and I, maybe I'd learn some stuff with things I could bring into the classroom or like gamify my classroom, that sort of thing. And I went to a seminar uh, that was given by Kathleen Mercury. I knew um, you were going to say her. She's she's awesome. So good at this. Yeah. Um, and at the time she was unpublished, but now I think she's got three published games at this point. Um, but she was just a middle school teacher and she was telling this group about this game design class that she ran with her uh, her middle school kids. And I sat down and I'm listening to her and I went, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And I could do it with high school kids. And at the time, uh, the state of Michigan had just changed its requirements for graduation and they were making it so that 
every senior in high school was required to take a math related course. And I'm going to interrupt. That would have been a disaster for me in high school. <laughs> you, you were done like, what, like sophomore year with math, Adam. It might've been my freshman year. Like I was, I was done with math. I, cause I did algebra one in in eighth grade and then algebra two in ninth grade. And then I had to take, I did, I took trig and stats in, in, uh, and geometry in my 10th grade year. And I was done. Yeah. <laughs> it's before Kevin finishes, since we had already interrupted him, I always think about things like this because I've got, you know Emma's Emma's a fine mathematician, but doesn't enjoy it at all. But I'm I'm like like why is she taking algebra two? She doesn't want to take algebra two. She knows what she wants to do. She Unless wants to, she wants to teach history. To teach By history. the way, guess who got a history degree? I, I, Mr. This guy right Mr. here, Adam. the Reverend Doctor Adam Hill. <laughs> Me and Emma. Yep, we get along. You guys are locked. Seeing she knows the uh, perils of a potential history degree. Yes, she does. As do I, the one paying for it. But. Um, you know, it is it is funny to me that they. I get it, right? It's STEM. STEM is important. Well, not every kid's doing STEM. Right. They're just not. So we're gonna make my history major take four years of math, and she doesn't. She's just fine. She's got A's, but I mean, she doesn't want to be taking algebra two. Like it doesn't make no sense. All right. Right. I mean, and and you know, space race like compete against China and Japan, like exactly. But, so we go. So they say seniors have to take another math. They have to take a math related class, but it doesn't have to be a pure math. It just has to be math related, and. So we're trying to come up with classes in the math department because the, what we were really concerned about is that we were concerned that we weren't going to have kids taking pure math classes their senior year, and they would be taking these other math-related classes and that we would lose teachers in the department. And so I got back from John Connett and I said, hey, I've got this idea. I could teach game design. And the principal was like, that sounds cool. Nice. And I was like, yeah. And so I, like I told him, I was like, well, yeah, do it, do, do a proposal. Let's write it up. And so I kind of went through the process and I taught, I was talking to the superintendent of curriculum and said, like the most important thing was like, how do we determine whether or not a class is math related or not? And she kind of looked at me and she goes, we just say that it is. <laughs> You know her. And Carl, you know her and Carly are buddies. If you ever need, you go. need another class. I think they're buddies. So well, I'm, I'm pretty close with I'm her. Sure, too. you are. Say <laughs> that it is. And I was like, oh, all right, sweet. So we're good to go. Um, and there's there's math, right? But I don't get into hardcore probability or discrete mathematics or anything like that. Like until I show up. Yeah, actually, one I, Friday <laughs> a semester. I, I told my class that they will be happy that Ben's not there because he's not going to make you learn math. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> my probability kills every time I... No, it's good. It's really good. But but I do get into basic probability and, and basic expected values and that sort of things with the kids who seem interested. Yeah. Um, most of them just want to make a game. <laughs> uh, and most of them think they're going to make a monopoly clone or a sorry clone or something like that at the beginning. And then I slam the door shut and go, Nope, that's not what's going to happen. But anyway, so, um, yeah, it's a semester long class. We meet every day for 90 minutes or so. Cause we did, we run a block schedule and the first quarter of the class, the first 10 weeks, basically maybe nine, uh, I just make them play games because the vast majority of the kids that come in the class the first day, I ask them, what are your favorite tabletop games? And I hear, oh, Monopoly and Sorry and Uno. And 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 I go on a, like, not a, a huge rampage. But I say, all right, hey, those games are great for what they are. But 
you just wait. You just wait. Give me three weeks. And if you still think Monopoly is the greatest game in the world, that's fine. But the second term of this class might not be for you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I just play games and I start them. I start easy with like small, quick games like Sushi Go or uh, King Domino or King Domino, however you want to say it. Who even knows at this point, right? Um, but just small, easy to pick up games, Love Letter, that sort of stuff, uh, Ink and Gold. Subastral by Renegade Games. <laughs> that, that one may be a little bit too complex for them right at the beginning. Um, but, but I just have them play games. And we talk about mechanics in games and we talk about theme in games. We talk about conflict in the games. And so we just learn about the building blocks of game design for the first term. And then the second term, I say, all right, go make a game. And it has to be strategy-based. So then you can't have roll and move, and you can't make World War II the board game, <laughs> and you can't make football the board game. Like, that's basically the rules. Uh, so they go out and make their games. And then I have them work on their games for a couple... I, I actually have them research themes. I kind of have them do theme, like brainstorming for about a week. So they come up with the idea for their game, and then they tie mechanics to it. Then, you get some really creative themes, though. They do. Yeah, there's. Yeah. there's I was going to say, you haven't got to this part yet, but the part that... So last semester, we were a little bit earlier than normal, so we talked a little bit more theme mechanics, more so than protos. This time, I think we're a little more late in the semester. Yeah. So we'll actually be able to see protos, which is the best part. That, you know, So whenever we get to go in, it's literally like, all right, what, you, know, you got 20 kids or whatever, and it's like, hey, what's your game? What's your game? What's your game? And there's, it's not like... I mean, there's... Pirates, 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 pirates. But still, even there's just there's a lot of creative ideas. Like you know, these because uh, what's interesting for me this is, year is dinosaurs. By the way, is a big one. Dinosaurs yeah. makes oh, sense. Nice. So I, for me, it's interesting because you know Ben and I have been doing this for what twelve years now, and you know Adam's been with us for several years and did it for you know years before that. You know, you begin to you get industry sized some to some extent, right? You know what the industry kind of wants, and you you know we you know, frankly at this point we make products. You know, we design games because it's fun, but we also are cognizant of what the final product's going to be. These kids aren't in a good way. Yeah. So they're bring they're I they're like I want to make a game that does this thing, and this thing could be wild, and it's in a good it's it's cool, and I love that part of it. I love hearing, you know. And then I always ask, what's the theme? What's your primary mechanic? And to Kevin's point, he you know he pushes them into you know doing the strategic you know th- there's always 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 you know some combat's pretty common but you know there's a lot, a lot of, car- of a lot of area control area control and ca- car drafting's a big a popular you know what, one a lot um, high schoolers like is take that and gotcha they, they love do. it they love like just turning just like it, turning the, turn the screws the right on their yeah. uh, buddy there oh you lose a turn and you mm-hmm. lose a turn and, and you're, you're out of the game yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you go I, sit in the hall i i also say no player elimination yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah. every game would be that yeah yep. last man's but yeah it's it's but it's it's great it's a great joy to have and that's what we're doing tomorrow adam and i are that's heading right. in there we have two classes tomorrow right yeah nice yeah, you know talk about two different theories of prototyping you got your speeches planned oh you boys? got your completely ready <laughs> you're not gonna have my probability speech to carry the mail this time no so you guys gotta no I, I mean i can do the light version but we probably won't it's not really worried I let Adam, when it's me and Adam, he does most of the talking. I just like pipe in. I just so, I, I like to talk about. It's almost like so. you're a professional professor. Yeah, and know how to do it. Sort of. <laughs> well, and it's a fun day for me because I get to hang out with my friends and I don't have to do all the talking. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome. 
Adam's like, what I like to do is every time I make a minor tweak, I like to completely redo the entire prototype. <laughs> every time. I like to print, sticker, and cut all 90 bits because I changed a letter. Every like, time. Like, hey, Adam, you can just scratch it out. We don't care. Just marker it. No, no, no. That's Y'all not... have no idea how many times we've said that to Adam in the last calendar year. Yep. It's like, dude, please don't redo this. Just, just, just I promise you, if you just change it in pen, we'll play next week. Please do not redo this whole thing. He redoes it. You're talking about week. people who have made like games that for a year all they were using was the scrap paper they drew it on and literally <laughs> hand tore the pieces it's a true story and yeah. then designed a card game based on it hand torn pieces we, it's fair. with just scribbling right, that's my favorite because the entire prototype for this card game that ended up having whatever 150 200 cards fit in like the snack size baggie you know the mm-hmm. little snack size ziploc that you give your kids so they don't have too many cheetos yep the tiny ziploc <laughs> <laughs> this this the Portion control? Yes. <laughs> Held yep. this proto because it was literally these tiny one-inch size little hand-ripped pieces yep. of paper. With just three things written on them. Was basically. our deck of cards for a year straight. And that's that I was just, all we ever made for that I, proto. Uh, <laughs> I'm anxious thinking about it. Like, I have anxiety right now just thinking <laughs> about that. I it, it's What well, the best part, too, right, is, is you know, the kids' protos are much more better than I because the, these you know, they don't have oh, well, access yeah. to the tools. And it's fun to see... The kids that take the extra time, though, like there's some, you know, there's kids hand drawing stuff, you yeah. know, and they're they're drawing characters on their cards. That's right. It's, it's cool. I really, really discourage them from doing that. I know, but it's still awesome. But I get it. That's they listen, still like to do working it. on your art is not working on your prototype. We've all we've all been there, you know. So excellent, guys. Matt. Yeah. Every week you send the same update to our I wonderful do. backers of Three Sisters. That's our first game from Motor City Game yeah. Works. It's coming soon. How soon is it coming, Matt? Great question. So normally this is the beginning of the podcast, but we obviously had a divergence today. So it is funny because for the last nine updates, they've been very similar. I legitimately changed the details. We even had one backer write me a message today. Not angry. He was very nice about it, but basically saying, I am muting Kickstarter updates because of you. (laughs) Because I back 90 projects and I'm tired of seeing the same email every week. And he goes, I know I'm in the minority because he had brought it up publicly before and got uh, shouted down. Shouted down, basically. Kindly shouted down. But he's like, I just want to, can you please just, if something weird happens, just send me a message. I'm like, no problem, man. I I, I get it. That's cool. You know, yeah, he was totally nice about it. You know, he said, listen, I'm not backing your next project. He said that publicly before because I I can't deal with this. And that's, everyone's different. But for the most part, people like our weekly updates. So the thing that's interesting to me is that the last nine updates have been basically the same. The twist on the last two is that the packages for Three Sisters have arrived in the EU and are in their warehouse, which is great. Um, Paid that bill. Paid that bill. Holy that, Batman. Yep, that is a real thing. You'll notice that on the Motor City campaign. If you're um, listening to this and you're like, man, all it is is score sheets. Like, listen, 99% of backers are amazing. You know yep. that we're not driving Bentleys over here. We're charging what it costs plus a reasonable little bit of margin. Yep. Like, we're not getting rich. But, man, do these random bills pile up. Like, publishers, they charge what they have to charge yeah. because if there you, are so many hidden fees, y'all. It's crazy. It is. And we're pretty – You know, we, we go ahead, and, Adam. And I remember you used to – uh, just a few podcasts ago, we were super excited that you got to walk into the bank and be like, where's my guy? Let me talk to my yep. guy. I got to pay suit, this. sunglasses. Give me my guy. I gotta, it's no yeah. longer that fun. Dude, three, the fun is officially later. worn off. It is. And 
we're pretty open. I don't think we're going to be as open enough to show you our balance sheets, but I can tell you, if you know what we were making, you wouldn't do this yourself. Because <laughs> <laughs> divided by three ways, it's not a real big number. Um, that said, if you combine it, will you get to go to Gen Con? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. We'll get to go to Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, we can pay for our hotel. But um, no, we're doing. It's doing fine. I'm not saying I have to complain. I'm just saying it's you know it's not lucrative to Ben's point. So back to the update though. So the EU three sisters are are in the warehouse. The issue is that they're dealing with COVID like everybody else, and holidays are coming. They had really hoped to get shipping notices out this week. They have not, as far as I can tell, because there's a. Several German backers saying, hey, I never got a notice. Well, it's because they didn't go out. So I reached out to them today and said, hey, what's, just give me a new timeline. They're, they're trying real hard you know, um, to get those out. Because, but they've got a lot going on. And it's, they've, they've lost a few folks this, the last couple of weeks, I think, to COVID. And they're doing their best. And, and they actually, frankly, they, you know, they're just, they're, they want to get them out for Christmas if they can, but they may not. Uh, the American side, a little wilder. Um, we have the slowest moving freighter in the history of mankind. I feel like it was headed to the Panama Canal. Like, I've played Panamax. It shouldn't take, you know, 12 it, weeks to get from that canal to we, New York and back to Jacksonville or whatever. We have two ships. There, that okay. company did not get a lot of victory points for that. No, 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 no. We have, we have two ships, right? And one ship has caught the other ship. So one ship was it's like, like circling. It, it, it literally, and now like the internet says it's going to Columbia. I'm like, well, what wait are a you minute. doing? It hasn't gone to Jacksonville yet. It can't go to Columbia unless it does. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then here's the funny part, right? The freight company that we're dealing with, they don't know either because the ships don't really tell them. They have a general. Yeah, because how many containers are on a ship? A gajillion. A gajillion. Yes. A literal gajillion. And they have, what, what's the ship's thing called? Manifest or whatever yeah. they call it, like their plan? So they have a plan, but they don't have to follow the plan. It's all like kind of, it's pretty fluid apparently. So ship number one was in like New York two weeks ago. It's supposed to be like less than less than a week to get down to Jacksonville, but they stopped like at every major city along the East Coast. And now they're in the ocean somewhere, maybe going to Jacksonville next. While the other ship that was way behind has left New York, got to got to Savannah, left Savannah, and on the internet says it'll be in Jacksonville in the next couple of days. So either way, games are getting there. At Come this on. point for US backers, you know, it's a twenty twenty two. And I actually I actually went ahead and updated uh, BGG to 2022 because that's just what our release is now. Yeah, that's and right. for non-US people, you don't have to say any specifics. Yeah. but we got some pretty cool news this week about some foreign language localizations. We did. Uh, that yeah, we heard about. No, we got a. Uh, I'll speak real quick to, to wrap up the fulfillment thing. Uh, uh, the Pacific region, like Australia, Asia, New Zealand, they're pretty much done. A few stragglers. Nice. Uh, South South America, uh, South Africa. We have a few backers there that are kind of waiting, but for the most part, that's fulfilled. Um, yeah, so you know, at this point, we're looking ahead to Motor City for us, but for Three Sisters, we're trying to make sure it has that retail life. So we've got agreements with, uh, I can just say a couple of them. Korea, there's going to be a Korean printing of Three Sisters. Sweet. There's going to be a Spanish printing of actually Motor City, not Three Sisters, and then most likely a Chinese language, a Mandarin Chinese version of Three Sisters as well. So that puts us up at like three or four countries now that have uh, we worked, we got you know partnerships, super cool man, with companies. So it's pretty awesome. Because that's really, we talk about this all the time. If this is ever going to actually be viable for us to do, we need yeah. that tail. We need our games to have a tail. Right. Yeah, I think that's, I think most Kickstarter creators will tell you that. You don't actually make money. I mean, you do. I, I mean, I'm joking, but it's, it's, to be frank, single digit thousands, you know, per it's person not probably. It's not worth it's, the time, quote unquote, that you put in to make right. that little bit. We would have made but similar But if you can amounts. leverage that upfront work and then make some money on the back end, it makes more sense. The exactly. longer that tail is of making some just money. Just fulfilling a Kickstarter, you would have made as much just 
Just license it just to a different publisher. Just licensing it to another publisher yeah. and getting royalties. Yeah. You're doing it because, yeah, every time it prints after that, that's your that's where you make the money. So we can, we're, we're hoping, of course, Three Sisters has that kind of life. Right so, so far, so good, man. I mean, the, that's where the, I can quote my, that, that's where they get you. It is. That's, my dad. that's where they get you. Yeah. Let's just say that's your dad. So, yeah, that's oh, where yeah. they get you. That's where they get you. He's always like, oh, they're charging you for refills. That's where they get you. And my mom <laughs> invented the dilly bar. Yeah, yeah. His mom does tell all kinds of lies. We'll talk about that sometime. I think we talked about that. My grandmother invented the dilly bar. Yeah. And maybe the Egg McMuffin. She, look, fast food industry owes my grandmother a lot that's there, where they there, get you there was a viral that's where they get you um what's the thing where you write for a dead person uh, obituary right, thank you obituary there was a viral obituary today about a older southern lady who was very much like your mom and like had all these crazy Whoa, things she grandma. accomplished grandmother grandmother sorry your grandmother you leave sherry hill out yeah, of sorry <laughs> very much like she is you. a saint <laughs> much like your grandmother did a lot of inventions and had a a pretty hard to believe life, <laughs> which maybe it's just an old southern I lady love that thing. It's in paper. It's it's on. It's in print. It's yep, got to be, be real. Do you guys ever hear that that guy Forrest Gump? Yeah, I, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, those, those, those southern it's, guys. It's man. not a lie if you believe it, Jerry. So, <laughs> all right. You mentioned Motor City. Yeah. Pro, protos are going out soon. We got the rule book. Good enough, right? Close enough to done yeah. for yeah, the yeah, protos. Yeah. Those are going out. So we're. Um, I say we're ahead of, but we're on track, you know, ahead of where we were this time last year, financially for sure, going right. to Three Sisters. Timing-wise, we're pretty close. Timing-wise, we're about the same. Financially, we're ahead, which is pretty yeah. sweet. Um, protos are going out in that cool little box you did last time. Yeah, same thing. We've got the uh, few less this time. I think we learned our, we learned how yeah. to target those a little better. I would say the one thing we haven't done this time that we need to do is probably start getting it out there that we're going to go ahead and kickstart in March again. Um, we're not going to get into the Kickstarter news of the week. Uh, Holy we, cow. Yeah, the blockchain stuff is interesting. There's a lot to digest there. I think for, for us in March, nothing will have changed yet, so we'll be okay then. Uh, in the future, we'll see what the future holds. Let's we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, but um, in the meantime, though, yeah, we're definitely going to be kickstarting in March again. We probably need to get those dates out, nailed down, start republishing. You know, but after, frankly, until after Christmas, no one cares about 2022. So once January hits, then you'll start hearing more about you know the March 7th or whatever we decide on. Adam. I yes. want like three minutes from you about a sweet proto that you came in, kind of helped me and Matt reinvigorate this design we had. It's in a great place. You've been working on your graphic design. The rule book you just put together is really sweet, actually. You're yes. doing a great job uh, on your graphic design journey. We got a sweet proto out with a publisher who's going to be evaluating it. War of the Shadow King. Give us War three minutes Shadow about King. it. Oh, man. It is... It is stupid fun. It's almost like Here's War the, of the Shadow King is a longer way of saying Way of Kings. It's, almost. It's, weird. it's almost, almost like that. Yeah. It's almost. It could be. Um, but yeah, favorites. what's happening in the War of the Shadow King, it, what I love about the game is that it is a hybrid. It's a true hybrid. It, mm -hmm. it is a, and you're officially a co-designer now, by the way. That's right. Just for uh, the list. It is a Euro uh, because there is worker placement and you're competing for glory points. Uh, and the player with the most points is going to win. But it's also got this shift that takes place at the end of every round where it becomes this dice chucker, a marathrash, just, it, uh, it is great. And you are fighting dark hordes, and you are fighting a dragon, and you are fighting the Shadow King, and, and you are trying to amass glory and protect the realm. And then uh, at the end... Uh, you all of a sudden get to turn and fight all the other knights in a <laughs> tournament. Uh, and it's... We call it the drunken brawl. It is it such a blast. Hey, Adam, why do you fight the other knights? 
Because we tell you to. Because we tell you to. That's right. Because ultimately, you can take as long fun. as you want to beat the Shadow King. The point is not that you're going to lose to the Shadow King. You will lose to other players if you don't defeat the Shadow King quickly mm-hmm. because you're losing points by not beating him. But eventually, once you defeat the Shadow King, you have this tournament where all the kingdom is celebrating. And so there's going to be this melee tournament to see which of the knights is, is the best. And it is... The most man, fun. You want to talk about... like. Bring the house down, like it's a closer. All right, stand up die rolls at the end of the game. Stand up. If if coffee's for closers, that the the melee tournament is drinking all the coffee. Yeah. All right, because it is it is awesome at the end of that game, and it is just it's a blast, and it combines. I don't know. It. I think it's just such a cool and innovative design, uh, because it's going to appeal to all kinds of players. Awesome. And if you're listening, perchance, and you're a large publisher that wants to do a sweet Euro game with minis and all things Adam said, and you have access to a really sweet fantasy IP that could just drop on top of a really good design, I'm just saying we got one for you, or the Shadow King. We do. I'm really, I'm actually really proud of it. We played it, what, last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. I had a blast. Like I didn't been... forget how good it was, but I almost kind of forgot how good it was. So we I, had so much fun. It, I'm going to tie Kevin into this because he's he. So just real quick, the background. You know, I think we can just talk about this openly now. Yeah, is might this, as well. Yeah, this game was designed for an IP. That IP being Way of Kings. I was not joking earlier. So we, a publisher that had the rights and then lost them, frankly, reached out to us, and it was kind of a design on spec. Now we knew what they wanted, but we also knew what you know Ben and I, you know, prior to bringing Adam in, knew what we were good at. So we were, it was going to be a Euro game, but it was going to be a Euro game with some dice and some craziness and some Amerithrash and do that, do all that fun bits. And we frankly, I'm a, I was a gigantic Brandon Sanderson fan, and Ben read the books after the fact. You know, I remember him literally texting me because I had missed Unpub that year for whatever reason, and he's like, "Do you know Brandon Sanderson?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know Brandon Sanderson." Do you want to do Way of Kings? And and like, you're like, "Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, we do want to do Way of Kings, Ben." And um, that was. Years ago. Years ago. Four six, years ago? No, like five, six. Six? Jeez, yeah. oh, Pete's were old. So six years ago, and it languished. We designed this game. It was good. It, the publisher liked it, and then they just had all this trouble, frankly, with the IP. And, and 3,000 pages ago. And, yeah, pff, not to mention, yeah, there's like four <laughs> more books since then. And, frankly, the publisher isn't, whatever. I'm not going to speak ill of them. They're fine. But they didn't do a great job business-wise with any of that stuff. So it went away was the point. And we had kind of sat there, and we, we didn't. We didn't have the energy or the or the desire, honestly, to go back to it, even though we knew we liked the game. So then, enter Adam, stage left, and now that he's part of Motor City GameWorks, and you know we know he's a good designer. He, you know, for those of you that are listening, you know Adam was probably would be you'd call the lead designer on Motor City, and also one of our other rolling rights that we've working on. So it's you know he's part of the team now. It's not just like Matt and Ben and also Adam. It's Matt, Ben, and Adam. So we said, hey, we had this game. We're gonna hand it to you, and you can do whatever you want. Like whatever you want to it, like <laughs> and full, did. and he did, and it wasn't like he sat there and designed a whole new game. He just took the game and made it better and cleaned things up and and kind of reorganized a few things and rethink, you know, put the generic, frankly g- generic, fancy theme on it, and and just and cleaned the design up. And we hadn't played it in, you know, ben, Adam and I played it a few times as we were kind of testing things, and it was just we had a really awesome play, and we're like, okay, we got to just 
get this thing out of you here. You know what I love is uh, the blue guy in the game was Dalinar from the yes. books, if you've read yep. him. And so we still call him Dalinar, even yeah. though he said, <laughs> my favorite is every time we play, if Matt's Dalinar, he'll go, man, this guy sucks. He rolls so many misses. It's just a bad <laughs> feeling. I mean, I know he's got all these hits, but it's just a bad feeling. It is a bad feeling. And you hear that when Matt's Dalinar. And then when I'm Dalinar, you're like, Dalinar is so OP. Man, he's so <laughs> much better than everybody else. We can't let won. Ben be Dalinar. We can't let Dalinar is going to win. He's the Dalinar's best so good. He's, he does always win with Dalinar. Because <laughs> he's awesome. Because he's, because he's the best well, and I suck at him. He, he practices dice rolling yeah. and gets way better at it than you are. I I, I, I just think my, get Dalinar. I get him. So I get Dalinar. Yeah. He, he, I get him. Listen, so Kevin, Yeah. back in the day you played Way of Kings, a prototype. Multiple it's been times. a long time. Yeah. You played it a bunch. Yeah, I was, so, was going to get a development credit. I played it so much. You probably should have. <laughs> yeah, so we... Brought that thing back to life, man. We Frankensteined it. Put, put a man awesome. on the job, and it's pretty cool. So, uh, listen, Super we're fun. talking about a game no one may ever play because who knows if we'll get it signed and published, et cetera. It's a, you know, I would say, you know, frankly, we talked about product earlier, right? Our risk as a product is that it's a big product. There's yes. a lot of bits, a lot of jumble, a lot of giblets. Yeah, if you're listening, saying, why doesn't Motor City Gameworks just do War of the Shadow King? Because we're, we're not doing minis yet. Right. Because it's a $100 game that we aren't prepared to. You know, to, to set that kind of adventure. Well, it's off brand a little bit too at this point, right? It is. I think yep. we know what our we we think we're going to lean into our brand. This is certainly off of our brand, and you know, uh, someone. But it's a good game. I, I had you know, it's one of those things we hadn't played in such a long time. I forgot how much I liked it. Like that, it's so. a really good game, yeah. and you know, it'll. I I firmly believe it's going to land with a publisher, and they're going to have a really, really, really pleasant experience with how this game will perform. Yeah, and I think, too, once cons are back, it's the kind of game that you can... I mean, it's a tough game to pitch because it takes, you know, four or five minutes to set up and teach. But, you know, from a pitch perspective, we can get them halfway there and then yeah. show them. We can talk through the... You know, my favorite part of it, and again, I know we're talking about a prototype, but it's worker placement in a relatively straightforward way with some neat little twists. And then every round, there's an event. And you have this cool moment of an event, and then we wrap up with the aforementioned, you know... Head-to-head dice chucking battle because we say so. Grand melee, grand melee. It's a so great good. way to put it. So, so good. Yeah, War of the Shadow King. Look, uh, it's a good one. So when I showed up, y'all were playing Dinosaur Island, mm-hmm. Roar and Write. Kevin, yeah. what'd you think of it? I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I got the feel of Dinosaur Island, um, but without the ninety to one hundred and twenty minute playtime. I mean, it might have taken us 90 because we had a lot of, like... That was my fault. I was just... Matt just wouldn't stop talking. It was like, turn, turn, turn. Turn, turn, turn. Turn, turn, turn. It's probably, I don't know, 15 minutes per player would be my guess. And Yeah, that's probably fair. It was good. It was really good. Like, I liked the decisions. I liked, I liked like, building my own park and trying to get things to work. And, you know, for my first play, I know, like, Adam had played a couple times before and i think matt had too so i i kind of felt a little bit behind the eight ball a yeah I've, bit, well but, i've played it a lot i've um, played it i'm in double digit plays that was number two for me okay. so yeah all right so, no, to, to your point though I, I think we didn't talk about this on the show because we i played it twice i think since the last time we recorded and you know it's interesting I, I was joking around on twitter when i played it that i was playing it for research and you know we know brian one of the designers very well and you know what's interesting to me is that it fits very it's well. Brian Lewis. Brian Lewis. Yeah. And if you're listening, perchance finish your music game. I really like that. Yeah, that was that was a good that's a good proto. Yeah. Um, it fits right in that class of heavier rolling rights like Fleet Dice and Three Sisters and Hadrian's Wall, but it does it in a 
looser way, in a good way, right? Like those games are all very tight and almost stressful and economic. Yeah. So not economic, but stressful and well, it's an efficiency puzzle. Those games are efficiency. Puzzles. Right. Well, yeah, like they're they're very comboy, right? Yes. Like, like Fleet Dice and Hadrian's Wall, very much about the combos. Where this, there's a little bit of combo. You feel comboy when you do it when you're running your when you're running your your uh, park park track thing, but. Yeah, it's just it's it's a strategic roll and write with a little bit of a looser build, so that you know because it allows for the fun of frankly the dinosaur island part of it, right? And I I this is this might be my favorite in the dinosaur island line um, actually, and I don't know if that's just recency uh, bias um, or roll and write bias because that's what I'm spending a lot of time with these days, but. Uh, Brian Lewis, David McGregor, and Marissa Masura have really put together a really fun game. Yeah, thank you for including the other two folks. I right. we know Brian. I remembered him. I did not remember the other two. Folks. And and just uh, it 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 is a wonderful it's it's a wonderful game. I've played it like I said double digit times, um, and it's still a blast. Lots of variability with all the assistant cards and the uh, different buildings that come in. So it it's super fun. Have you played solo? Um, I have not. Okay. I don't do a lot of solo gaming, and so I haven't. I can't. Speak I mean, I know there's a lot of solo games out there. Like, Tons, and it does have a solo mode. So I was just wondering if you, you have to. It. If you're out there making a strategic roll and write, you have to do a solo yeah, mode. Just FYI, because you get so much traction from yep. the solo community. That community supports those games a lot. My hubris comes out because when I play a roll and write now, and it's two score sheets, I kind of feel like a proud dad. <laughs> I'm not being like whatever about it, but Matt and I invented that. We invented <laughs> the did. two sheet heavy roll and write. I invented that umbrella twirl. Totally. I still, I still love Dan Halstead, who wants you to create the app for Fleet Dice that uses two phones. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> side by side, so, so that you can get the screens. That's that would kill. That's genius. So I haven't done a lot in person, fellas. I've been pretty active on Board Game Arena like usual. I will mention one because it was pretty new to BGA recently. I've been playing a lot of Chocolate Factory. You guys tried that one out? I saw that you and Joel were playing it. I know nothing about it. It is super cool. Like It's almost a little brain burning. I think you guys would be annoyed with me if we played in person because of my AP. Because when you run your Chocolate Factory... You literally can have up to like eight or ten or twelve like little mini things that do conversions. Mm -hmm. So it's like a pretty meaty brain puzzle to go from the cocoa bean and transfer it like three or four times to the chocolate you want at the end, and then you fulfill orders. I really like the app or the BGA mm -hmm. implementation because you can kind of we play a lot of async where I take like one turn a day and I can just sit there and think about it and chill out and play my turn without ruining your guys's good time mm -hmm. i think i would probably ruin your fun if we played in person because <laughs> i just can't think that fast and i don't want to play suboptimal but i really like it um it's pretty straightforward euro mm -hmm. but it's got really clever things it's got this little have it's you from, seen it's from alley cat right Maybe? I, i'm almost positive the publisher is alley cat i think yeah. it's uh dunstan and gilbert are yeah, the, I think designers. it is. Oh, Dustin, I like those Dustin guys and Gilbert. Oh, they're yeah. good. Yeah, Costa Rica and it's sort of. Because I really like Alley Cat, like we've talked about, but except for I hated Tungaroo so much that it makes me kind of like feel you know. Well, feel, this one's cool because you them. push like mm. the tiles in and they kind of like slide, and that's like running your factory is like sliding the tiles, and as they do this horizontally, they line up vertically well, with like the. Transition you know that things. is a fun. What's the game? It's um, really cool to slide it over. Going way back, Patrick's company. Patrick Nickel, the, company. not coal miner, but it gold, was Gold Rush. The gold one. It doesn't matter. By Tori Neiman, the By Alien Tori Frontiers Neiman. guy. Yes. 
he the game was okay. It had that sweet mechanic. But the though. pushing your gold thing was, it was really fun. Very fun. Yeah. So if you get a chance, Chocolate Factory is pretty sweet. You guys should totally try it out. Seven Wonders Architects, not really sweet. Um <laughs> I, so here, okay, here's where every Seven Wonders fan was just like, What? All right, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's first of all, it's a game. Second of all, I think TM. There's yeah, a trademark TM, after trademark. that. Um, but I will say I, I mean it's a game. I mean it's a game. But I will say I, I can acknowledge I think what it's for, right? Which was not us. It, not us. It's a, it's supposed to be if you don't because I mean Seven Waters is a great game, but it's actually a pretty difficult teach for a non gaming audience or for a, a it is a light gaming audience, and it can run kind of long even. It's but I love it. I I can totally understand why Seven Wonders uh, Duel, awesome, uh, big teach though, big setup. Yep. It's, it's got a lot of overhead to get going. Big teach bed setup, so I could. But see, it's amazing. But it's fantastic. One of the best two player games probably might be the best two player game. Maybe patchwork, but one of the two. So I can see Bowser, you know, and and who repost wherever going. You know what we are as Made. You know we need a way worse version. We need a much easier, <laughs> more. <laughs> All right, it, it's worse, but it's going to be more. What's the word? Accessible. Not, what's the new word we're supposed to use? I, I it's like, going to outsell every game we've ever made. Oh, buy, buy approachable. Approachable. That's yeah. the yes. I like the I like the shift from it's accessible. It's cute. It's got the tactile wonders yep. that flip over. And... I, it's a more approachable Seven Wonders. The problem is. I can't find the fun for me personally and for Ben or for gamers like us maybe that have been looking for something a little – because it, it doesn't have a lot of those really like, – Do like, you think it's it's that the fun is just simple or do you think that you have to almost have had the Seven Wonders experience and then you can inject that I into this experience? And it's not supposed to be that way, but that's the way it is. So it, like, if you know how to play Seven Wonders, you're like, oh, this is novel. I that's think it's, not great. I think it's the opposite. I think it's for people that maybe just have never played Seven Wonders. I think it's a true entry level. New games are for new, new gamers. New games are for new gamers. Like so, Matt Loomis. Yep. So my issue with it, that is, like, so if I want to play an easy to teach puzzle game, like Cascadia is one of the best games I've ever played. So why would I ever play that over like a Cascadia? That's, you know, so for me, right, I'm going to play Cascadia because Cascadia is easy, but amazing. It's yeah. very simple. Well, I'm going to play Cascadia because I can play with my nine-year-old. Cascadia right. is great. It's, great. it's so good. It's, yeah. it, 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 I mean, it's rocketing up the BGG rankings because it deserves to. And then this game is fine. It's not fine. I, I don't like I it. Say, it hasn't sounded it's fine well, yet, but sure. But I, but I mean, I can acknowledge it's. I can acknowledge its intent and audience, not us. But still, also critique it, saying it's less good than it because there's no puzzle, right? So it's a simple decision of left, right, center, right? You pick. Left, right, or center. And if played you that game. can complete something, you must. Right. And if you take that choice, take every choice away. Just right. Just pick left, center, right. Just left, center, right. And it's either get a couple of the same or a couple different and then flip your thing over. And there's very, very little, there's not much to it. No. So, but it's not, it's not for us. It's for somebody, but so that somebody isn't us. It's frustrating because, um, I don't know. There's games like what, the Gollum game, right? Mm -hmm. That are just as easy to teach. That people like us do enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a convert, and uh, the fact that that game's out now and it's going to sell a billion copies, whatever. It can be frustrating. It can be. And by the way, Adam, Chocolate Factory is Alley Cat Games and is Dunstan and Gilbert. Yeah. Well done. Those guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. You should oh. play that and play Costa Rica, which is actually super kind of mean and it's really fun. Costa Rica is fun and mean. It's you great. played it. I think we've played Costa Rica. We have. And it was fun and mean. It's <laughs> we played at my house. We did. We, we did played play. at your house. We played at Kevin's bachelor party because that's what rocking. 
40-something-year-old do at Battle <laughs> Trials is going to go to minor league in, baseball in, games. Not even minor league, independent. Independent <laughs> minor league baseball games, and then you play board games. That was a great That was a great. It was a great So night. do you all want to get hammered or go play Costa Rica at Kevin's house? <laughs> Let's go play Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. Let's play Costa Rica. And then with, you know, Four adults. That game is just mean. It's like, so oh, oh, it's even meaner with five because my buddy Kevin was there too. We did oh, play with yeah. five. Was, like, I'm just gonna go. Was, ahead and start. I'm gonna go it this was way. Hateful. Why are you going that way, Adam? Oh, because it cuts off everybody else <laughs> but like, you. Oh, I'll lop off all three of you, yeah. and you don't get to take a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. All right. But, the last game. one I got to mention is Matt. I trust you. Yeah. When it comes to games, I trust your opinion inherently. Sure. You are almost never dead wrong. Okay. You are dead wrong on Imhotep. Let me just tell you, I love where this is going. I hate it. <laughs> you are dead wrong. You played it on BGA? Yes. And you enjoyed it? Yes. On the I, so I, I, I don't know it. why you don't like it. I'll tell you why I don't like it. <laughs> it's it's I, a total like knife fight game of chicken that you should like. It is, but I cannot. I, I, I actively. Oh, get, Matt's got this cool thing going off to the obelisk. You go. Exactly. It's fun. I get sick to my stomach. <laughs> it makes me so. Like, I don't get. I'm, a, I'm about as laid back and friendly as a guy can be. In, in like in my entire life, I don't get. I'm not get angry at my wife and kids because we're family, and you get angry at each other sometimes. But I don't get mad at people or stuff. Like it's not how I, not how I work. I get so angry when someone moves my boat without their stuff on it. It's not your boat, though. I understand it's that it's not boat. my boat. That's the risk you're taking. I am, right. I know. I so I gave it a fresh <laughs> go on BGA. I said, you know what? I played this six years ago. Hated it. Well documented. Well documented in person. But I'm going to try it again. I'm going to play a live, not not an async, a live game on BGA. And I hated it just as much. Have you guys played it, Kevin? I have not. Well, it's right over there on the shelf. And yes, that box is well worn. We've played it quite a bit. I happen to be on your side of this. Because it's pretty rad. It's It's a great game. You know, honestly, I think I didn't play it because I was at the Gen Con that Matt played it. <laughs> he was like carrying the banner for how much. <laughs> like running up and down the halls with a flag. In the motel. And I think yep. Phil Walker-Harding is like, I hate that guy. I hate yes, that guy. Phil Walker-Harding probably blocked me. I don't know. I hate no, that guy. Really? He probably didn't. Because I feel he like, know we are, like you and, and someone else. Like, uh, TC or Patrice, one of those. Two. Oh, Patrice probably likes it. It's kind of his kind of game. Was it, was it, it might have been me and TC. Was it Sexy Dan maybe? I don't know. But might have been, been. Sexy Dan probably hates I it. I could see those two ganging up on Yeah, we could. I don't know, but he loves some Phil Walker-Harding. He does. he does, but I can so see like be surprised me. if he's he had that negative of an experience. I Copenhagen hanging on the wall. I know this is like radio for five, but I could picture like me, sexy Dan, Patrice, and TC playing, and the three of us just pounding on Patrice the whole time, and he enjoying <laughs> well, if it. If the four of you played it, that's right. guaranteed. If the four what of happened. us played it, the other three of us are mocking it. Dan had an obelisk this right. tall, <laughs> no nothing else, and he probably was trying to enjoy it. We were just hammering on it. Yeah. It's probably what happened. That's fair. Well, I like the game. And because it's fun. Well, and because <laughs> interestingly, I'm going to draw a weird parallel. Sure. In some ways, it functions like heaven and ale, and that you have to be able to do things inefficiently in order to score really well That's in that fair. game. Like, you have to be willing to take actions that are kind of subpar. Like, should I put my fourth block onto this boat, or do I just send the boat with three blocks incomplete just to get it where I want it to go? Yes. And, and you have to be able to make decisions like that. And I think what you were trying to do is, no, I want to use all the blocks and do the yep. thing and work my plans. Yeah, yeah, my wife exactly. plays the exact same way yep. and can't stand when people are like, I'm going to move your boat early and send you to go get more cards that you don't need. It, yeah. it, it's actually but so it's frustrating. it's not your boat. It's a boat. It's a boat. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It is a boat, but my stuff's on it and yours isn't. So get your hands off my boat. 
So the other game, speaking oh, now we're on BGA, is I love Azul. Love it, love it, love it. I love all the Azuls except for like Sinatra. I think that one stinks. But well, yeah. the other ones are all great. And this, so the original Azul's on BGA now. It's quite a bit worse on there because it is nothing but hate drafting. And I guess I do I'm I'm incredibly sensitive to hate drafting. I acknowledge that. Okay, so are you saying that people online mm-hmm. are meaner? They are. And they would be in person? It, it's but it's an interface issue. It's an interface thing. Because here's the here's the deal. I'm playing against Ben and you and Kevin. We're playing Azul. I'm not staring across the table counting your tiles. I'm yeah. not. But if it's on the screen but in front online, of me, it's right in front of it's you. It's right there. All the data is in front of me. I'm going to go, okay, that's worth next. You don't have to look across the table. Exactly. It. It's all there. So I can go, okay, if I take this pile, he gets that pile, she gets this one, I get that one, she gets blah, blah, blah. That's negative three, negative. And I can do all See, the little I don't, math. I don't want to do that. I just want to play. And that's what they do on, on BGA. Yeah, because it's it, if a turn, if a, if a tile pile gains you four or loses them six, well, guess what? You're going to give it to them and take the worst thing for you, which I, I hate. I hate that mentality. I hate the idea of taking something worse for me. To leave, I, some, that other thing could have helped me, but I passed it because it hurts you more than it helps me. I don't yeah. like that. I don't enjoy that either. But I love it. I still play it. I'm good I love at Azul. It. I, I just lot. don't play online. But yeah. the other thing about playing in person is like, if you are kind of like peeking over the table and looking at other people's stuff, you kind of feel bad. Like You start to go like, don't yeah, be that guy. I'm such a jerk. Like, right. right. And, no, it, it's, and so when you get someone online, you've given them like, the bravery listen, of being out of range. I don't, I don't care who but everybody, John Smoley 52 is. Like, yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Here's six John blue you don't need. Negative six. Yeah. So everyone does that for the last. That's actually the problem with OG Azul is that that last little tile draft thing. I Listen, Keesling is smarter than we'll ever be. But I would love to understand why he felt like he needed to increase the negativity as you took more tiles. You're already taking things that don't help you, right? You've already fundamentally lost a turn, and I'm going to punish you now after you lost a turn. I, I get there's math there. He's the game sold a million copies. I'm wrong, but I really struggle that that the way that the tile floor is was set up is necessary. That said. Everybody does that last little thing. Okay, if I take that pile, you take that pile, you take that pile. Everyone does that. This is the whole game. Like from the first draft, if I'm, it's all about blocking. It's all about leaving people's fours and fives filled. So like if there's only if you need two red to finish your five, and there's only like three red out there, they're gonna take the two red so that you're not gonna finish your five that round. So it's stuck a whole nother round. Right. They're gonna take two red they don't really need because it's 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 mathematically sound. Right to the point where I actually had a chat with a German person on there, and we were saying I, I was like, you know, I, I was just they were very they were kind of very friendly, so I'm like, you know, we're, we're kind of chatting. And I said, you know, that move you just made was the right move, but I still find it frustrating. He's like, oh, you know, oh why? And they're like, you know, this I did it for this reason, and it was exactly what you would think, right? The negative two for you, you know, plus one for me, whatever. My I'm favorite like, part of this is that you clarified it was a German person. You were like, I talked to a German person. Person. It's a guy, girl, who knows, right? I don't know, right, know. but I love that you like I like Kevin's over there. Like, I wonder if he's going to finish with dog. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we the, pretty much assumed it was a person. The fact that they were German. I just, I just love it. I love yeah, it. Well, yeah. you know, the fact that they're German is nothing either. But the little flags right there in BGA, yeah, so I knew they were German. And we were just uh, talking. Well, I had mine like Brazilian for a while. Did so. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's he may awesome. have been. Any, they may have been anything. <laughs> the point is, I just we were chatting about how that it's not that they're wrong for making that move that I was upset that the game has made that the best possible move. It was, it was a interesting conversation. Listen, yeah. if you had five minutes with Kiesling, you have bigger questions to ask him. Like, 
Oh, Michael, how do I get all my barrels around the corner and having a nail? Yeah. I just get zero <laughs> points every time. This is Matt speaking. Just this is. my experience. I'm a, I'm a high-low guy in having a nail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're going to do really well or really bad. Not a lot in between for me. Gentlemen, holidays are around the corner. Y'all got big plans for Christmas. You get a break. You have any traditions you normally do? What's coming up for y'all? Well, for me, all of our traditions are kind of in flux and changing, right? Um, That's right. For those of you that don't know, Kevin is a newlywed with a pregnant wife. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. newlywed with a pregnant wife, and I've got a 15-year-old and a 9-year-old already. Busy okay. man. Um, yeah, so... Um, newlywed like eight, nine months, but whatever. You know. What's up, Kelly? Or six months. Um, well, let's see. Kelly is about five months pregnant, so I've been married for about five months. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all didn't uh, waste a lot of time. No. No. Honeymoon no. baby. Yeah, and it, it like we weren't trying, but we weren't not trying, and it yeah. just kind of worked Bi- out. Biological compatibility. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out perfectly. Um, so yeah, like all of our traditions. Like actually, I was just talking to my daughter yesterday about it. It's like because she's kind of upset that like kind of things are changing, and um, and it was just like, hey, honey, like I've been around for a long time, forty four years, and holiday traditions are constantly changing. You're, you're always doing something different on, on holidays. Like they might stay the same for a few years or, you know, maybe if you're lucky, like 10 even, but like things are constantly changing. So we're still trying to figure things out. I know like, uh, Christmas Eve we're spending with, uh, Kelly's extended family. Uh, Christmas day will be at her parents' house because we're also building an addition on her house. So not, Got, got married, got pregnant, built an addition all within the same month, basically. You Just, need something to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> no wonder we never see it. Come on. Um, so uh, Christmas was going to be at our house, but it's going to be at the uh, at the in-laws. Um, and then she's got a cousin that she's close with with, uh, with four kids, and, and they're going to come over in the afternoon, and we're going to do stuff there. And then I think uh, – the 26th, we'll end up driving up north because my parents bought a house up in Traverse City, and it's their first uh, winter up there and first Christmas. So mm-hmm. that's so going to be gonna a blast. Go yeah, it's going to be nice. a good time. That'll be nice. Uh, we're pretty boring. We do, you know, Christmas Day with my family. For we're a little bit different, I guess. We've had pretty solid traditions at this point, just because. We're pretty static. All, our kids you're are also older. all in the same neighborhood. Right, we also all live like within a half hour of each other. So uh, Christmas morning, we go to my parents who live around the corner, literally, from me. And I've got two sisters, and they've all got kids. There's like, you know, 11 kids or whatever. Or that's not true. Uh, whatever it is, seven, eight. I, don't know, I can't count. Um, and nine, eight. It's eight. So uh, <laughs> definitely Uncle, eight. Uncle Matt loves you all. <laughs> <laughs> However many of you are, you're loved. I get, and you too. We forgot about you. But he loves you. Dude, I actually tell my one niece, I'm like, you are my 13th favorite niece. Because she knows there's only like, there's seven, we have seven girls, seven nieces, and one nephew. So I tell her all the time, numbers below seven. <laughs> Just a prodder, because she's a good kid. Either way, the point is, we go to my parents, we do brunch, breakfast, and then Carly's family, we usually do in the evening. We might actually do Christmas Eve this year, which is pretty exciting, because we're going to do Christmas Eve service, and then it actually leaves us open for Christmas Day, because we've always done, you know, I, I give credit to Carly years ago, her parents were divorced, and they were very much combative, frankly, divorcees for a while. And her brother has a, has a couple of kids older than my kids, and they did separate stuff. And when Carly and I got married and we had kids, she's like, no, 
we are not doing two Christmases and two Thanksgivings. We're doing one, and you're both invited. Figure it out like adults. And they did, to their credit. And they actually, they get along fine now. So we Thanks we went, to Carly. Thanks to Carly. But nice we did work. three Christmases as a married couple before we had kids. We did her mom, her dad, my parents. And she's like, we're doing one now. So we've always done the same basic thing, right? It's my parents in the morning. Their family in the evening, but this year we might do Christmas Eve, which is fun. So good. Well, you get some board games in. I'm assuming everybody just buys you board games. Like, hey, they do. Here's a board game, and then do you get to play it that night? They do. So actually, Carly's family, her her brother and sister in law, um, are 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 game. They're and actually they play. I've I've taught them like Welcome to Fleet Dice. Oh, nice. Rolling rights have been pretty good for them. They kind of enjoy those. And my one, my niece, and my niece is like in her twenties, and her 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 spouse to be. They're getting married this summer. They're both, you know, they're willing to give it a shot. Uh, actually, my family no. <laughs> my mom and dad are pretty, um, and my one sister, my twin sister Megan. They're they're willing to game, but that's not a priority for them. Yeah, she my, Hadrian's wall. She uh, did on vacation. Yeah, vacation is probably her most gaming because Ben and I are there. We can pull her away. Her husband Chris, my brother in law, yeah, Ben's he's best friend, out. he's not interested in any of it. <laughs> and then my other sister probably wouldn't mind the idea, but just isn't a priority. Plus, they've got a couple little ones, so not as much with them. I mean, usually I, I'll end up like cracking it and reading the rules while we sit there because I'm always going to – my mom will give me a couple games. You know, Pretty much she's like, I need some ideas, and I'll just send her – You know, I actually she's – I do cool stuff now. And I, I actually this year, deep cut, I'm kind of homering her a little bit. Like did the old the old Homer bowling ball, you know, where you give you know, there's an yeah, episode yeah. of Simpsons where Homer gave Marge a bowling ball and it said Homer <laughs> on it. Yeah. Um, I, I got her Cape May. The game from um, was it Th- is it Thunderworks. Yeah, yeah. So because it's a theme that I know she's gonna love, and I had no ideas for. Her. And you want to play it? And so I want to well give it. And to I want to play it. So I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah. getting Mom Kate May. I That's wanted great. to get her newest nice Azul because they love Azul. They have yeah. all the Azuls. Her and my dad will play it on vacation by themselves, but it's just not here. Yeah, so I got her fine, Kate May because yeah. it looked like something I wanted to play. <laughs> I like that. The Adam, what are you doing? You traveling? You staying local? We're staying local this year. Uh, actually, my mom is coming up uh, from Atlanta. And so uh, she's coming up. We're going to just be here in the house uh, with just us. And um, nice. it's going to be a blast. And actually, what's funny is she's been sending all the gifts already because uh, she'll buy them on Amazon and then just have them delivered oh. to our house. Yeah, we do the same thing. And so I've been wrapping all the Christmas presents mm-hmm. for everyone and myself. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty great. She nailed it this year. Uh, she got her. me a couple games I'm looking forward to. Nice. Um, and so you should open it and play it and then rewrap it before she gets back in town. <laughs> this is, that's the old, uh, you know, when you get your kids a video game system, make sure that it's all updated. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I opened it, sorted it, bagged it, and, uh, we've even played it so I can now teach the rules a lot faster. Um, thanks mom. So it won't be a Kirk. That'd be great. Uh, but no, it, we did that and, um, no, we're going to be doing that. That's going to be fun. Um, we already did. Christmas with Kelly's family, we do that over Thanksgiving. Uh, They live down in Indiana. We go and see them at Thanksgiving and do Christmas with them on Thanksgiving. Wow, way to two for one that one. How'd you get away with that? Dude, it's so great. You know, Kelly, I was thinking, we don't really need to go to Indiana twice in two months. That's, you know, why don't we just wrap this puff up into one? It was her idea. There it is. First off, and I wasn't going to say no. (laughs) Is uh, Mom's a football fan. Um, my mom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But college though, right? Not pros. Mainly college. Yes. So does she not in Atlanta? Not. I mean, the... she likes the Falcons, okay. but because Falcons Lions play on the day after Christmas. Yeah, we'll watch. I it. I think they're in Atlanta though, so it's like you could take. We'll her, watch but, it, but yeah. it's. 
Well, no one wants to watch the game. It's no. terrible. But it's be a horrible game. Yeah. This is it's going to set football game. back horrible. by forty years. Horrible this Man, game. Man, that's going to be a pillow fight. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to be a good game. Day after Christmas, no one's watching I don't think that I'm game. Even watch it. I yeah. probably will. So I'll be in Texas. Uh, fantastic. Um, when Rebecca and I got married, her family's pretty much always lived out of state. So um, some years they've congregated to Michigan. We always get together with them for the week that I have off from work. Um, Lately, we've been going to Texas. Her mom's got a pretty sweet place down there, have a pool and the whole show. So with the kids, it's just great. Go down there and veg. It's nice to be out of town, frankly, because you don't feel like you have to be productive. Uh, I don't know. You guys probably don't have to struggle with that. You know, uh, nah, I don't ever care about being productive. These, I'm uh, good. <laughs> improvements around the house. You don't worry about that anyway. But the point is, not so much. Uh, Kevin will understand what I'm talking about. When you're not at your house, you don't have the feeling you should be doing something. So anyway... Going away is great. So I'll be in Texas this week. I'll be warm. Nice. See, that's the way I vacation is go there to do nothing. Yeah. That is not the way Kelly vacations. Yeah. She puts together a schedule. Um, and so we ha- I have to be more productive and do more when Dang. we vacation. Yeah, my Kelly and your Kelly are very similar. I don't way. like yeah. to pre-plan the, the week off. That, oh. That's stressful. No, I just no, like no. to There's, kind if, of just if, go with like, the flow. All right, so hold on. She'll I, give me one day with the of doing nothing. And then after that, she's like, okay. You did your nothing day. <laughs> now here's what we're doing. I'm I'm Team Kelly Kelly. I'd fake an injury. No, I, I I'm see. I love my family. They're the best. But they'll just meander aimlessly and get nothing done. And I know you're saying to yourself it's vacation. You're supposed to get nothing done. But I mean, literally get nothing done. Like we were going to go to this. Did you go to that? No. Do you understand? Well, that's why? my dream. Like that's my goal. But I mean, you're like you're, what you're talking about is what I'm but trying you, me to too. do. You should come to Texas. <laughs> Listen, it's gonna be great. That's my life goal. But when I'm somewhere, I want to do the things involved with that somewhere. All right, hold on. We did make one plan though. There's one thing I have to do in like eight days. The boys, when we go to uh, Olive Garden, they always two of them will split the tour of Italy, which is the lasagna, the yeah. chicken parm, and the fettuccine alfredo. Oh, you didn't have to. You didn't have to. Explain. Yeah, I know. I know. Absolutely. I didn't. For our listeners, who are yeah, much more high I was say, I have toured Italy many times. Yeah, they, <laughs> they go to Caraba, not. Oh, there you go. The boys are like, we should do the tour of Italy for dinner. I'm like, you know, you're asking me and your mother to make three dinners for one dinner. That's not going to happen. But I'm like, tell you what, when we're in Texas uh, for a week, we're going to pick a day and it's going to be tour of Italy day. So that's. So are you going to the Olive Garden or are you making it? No, we're going to make them all. We actually oh. make a pretty rad. Oh, I thought you were saying all. the thing you had to figure out was how you're going to take all your 19 kids. Oh, to, no, to no, the no. Olive we're going to make all those things at home and Got it's going it. to be awesome. When you say they split the tour of Italy, so like what, like they take. Each dish Actually, the waiter will usually just split it into two plates, and it works pretty good for the I, two yeah, 12 I, th- year olds. I thought the, the payoff was going to be they're each going to get their I thought own it was going to be like this. Yeah, it was going to be like the rise to manhood. The rise to manhood was happening. Dude, I can't afford that. I got five kids, three 12 year olds. I went to Chili's tonight. It was like $75. It's Chili's. I'm glad you brought up Chili's. And we talked about Azul. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. I don't care. Keesling invented that game using Starburst and Chili's Coasters. That's how that prototype They are Chili's started. Coasters. <laughs> they are Chili's That's true. Coasters. I think there's a lot of Chili's in Germany. I, I don't know if they made the jump across the He's been the, to the uh, one. Yeah, if there is, he's been there. Adam. Yes. Speaking of Christmas. Yes. You know what I love around Christmas time? A nice, good Christmas cookie. Oh. I'm going to need your top three Christmas cookies starting now. Okay, first I'm gonna make Dan Patrice so happy because I'm going with the Spumoni. All right, your number one? Are you going three to three? Going three to one or one to three? That was my number one. 
Wow. Like I, that is my favorite Christmas cookie. I don't it's know. I have phenomenal. to Google that. I don't it's even the know one it that has it's three colors and it's like yeah. oh yeah, uh, it, it's kind of like sugar cookie yeah. consistency, but it's got cherry. Yep. It's got vanilla and it's you've, got the pistachio. It. It's the green. in every old it's, lady cookie box you've ever eaten. The Neapolitan it's, cookie. Yeah. But it's but it's spumoni. You eat those? Oh, they're amazing. Okay. Oh, those are like the ones and, I and I'll just over. ask Patrice to vouch for this later. He'll he he always direct messages us live stream while he's listening. We get his live I'm sure Patrice loves Pomoni. There's oh, no way he Absolutely. Doesn't. Because one of the best cookies what in the world. What does the green I layer taste like? Pistachio. Pistachio. Oh, I'm out. I don't like pistachio. <laughs> See, you're wrong on that too. <laughs> so yeah. it's great. Who wants a green nut? It's fine. Um, nope, y'all are wrong. Right, so you're one no, he's, wrong. Listen, he's wrong on pistachios. He's an anti pistachio. It's, it's, There's a it, lot of meat left no on the bone after Pomoni. <laughs> <laughs> So, my second. Also, hold on. This is the fastest you've ever answered one of these. <laughs> no, you were ready. You're like, oh, I got this. Well, like, here's the time you're like, 140 oh. pounds down. He's ready for yeah. some I know. Normally, I'm like, the Beatles. They've made some songs. Ah, uh, <laughs> sexy Susan. Yeah, you're flying this uh, time. All right, Spumoni okay, number one. Spumoni was number one. Now, these are, uh, and I'm going Christmas. Me too. Christmas. I'm, Christmas. I got mine ready up. Christmas okay. specifically. Um, and so. Here's one that I don't know if it's a Christmas cookie, but here's the deal. I've only ever had it at Christmas. It's fair. I'll take it. Because we have a we have Unless I have a friend it's at the Oreo office. Or something no, goofy, I have a friend it. at the office who she does a Christmas cookie bake and she is incredible at baking. Mm-hmm. And so like she goes all out. She made these um, orange chocolate ricotta cheese cookies. And <laughs> it <laughs> Y'all are <laughs> bum 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 bum. <laughs> that wasn't even the that wasn't even the right yeah. sound. Hey, boom. Yeah. <laughs> These crazy cookies are making my stomach soft. My stomach is not enjoying your description. All these crazy cookies. Of these cookies, Adam. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening right now. I love cookies, and you are killing me over here. Like, I've never enjoyed a cookie competition less than I am right now. Like, what is going on? I mean, you don't even know what the name of this thing is. Ricotta cheese? It's like a cannoli? Like, I, like, I love cannolis, but my, I mean. You don't understand. Once okay, again, right. maybe it's a Dan Patrice thing. I, those are both Italian Dan's cookies. Dan's pushed under the bus right now. Like, <laughs> Dan likes crappy cookies. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. This guy saying. knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> this guy likes stuff that sucks. <laughs> you know who likes stuff that sucks? Dan Patrice, am I right? <laughs> love you, buddy. Adam does not love you, but I do. <laughs> I totally love you and would share all these cookies with you because they're not going to be taken. There'll be a whole plate left. Can we just left? get your third cookie for God's sake? <laughs> At yeah. this point, it doesn't Ricotta even matter, cheese? does it? I, got it? I want one cookie I recognize. Just give me your third. What is uh, it? Be uh, truthful. Don't don't soften it for us. If it's some crazy cookie, go ahead. No, I'm. Uh, you know what I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with the snickerdoodle. That's a great cookie. No, right. it, but it's, it's not necessarily time. a Christmas cookie. Yeah, I'll but take it. but well, it's fine. It. After those first two, we'll take it. We got yeah. we got to move Jeez. on. Kevin, you, you want to go next? Win after those three. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I think I'm going to beat Adam in this one. Um, <laughs> so so I I love the classic peanut butter with the Hershey's kiss on oh, top all day. Great cookie all day. Way better than Simone <laughs> and ricotta cheese. No, it's not. Okay, because a Hershey's Kiss is crappy chocolate. <laughs> okay, that's fair. You're, that's a, you're that's taking a, a peanut cookie. butter cookie, that's a great cookie though. ruined by a Hershey's Kiss well, on top. Ruined, don't even start. Don't even, listen, it's don't even start with me on that. It's I don't, I mean, have, you, have you had the hot cocoa Hershey's Kisses yet? 
No, that sounds pretty good. They're I don't filled, need to. They're filled with marshmallow. It's really oh, good. Huh. Highly recommend. All right, number two. Um, so number two, uh, and the only time I've ever had these is at Christmas. I don't know if they're actually a Christmas cookie. Um, but Kelly makes this almond cookie with like an almond flavored icing. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Like I we I just call it the almond cookie. I've seen they're it. fantastic. Seen it. And then um probably my third one, and these are no particular order, just the guess the what I'm thinking of them. But um like the 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 shortcake sandwiches. Mm-hmm. You know, like the shortcakes with like the the marmalade in between the layers. Like I don't know if they've mm. got a special name, but I got nothing, man. I want to be there for you. Those are the nothing. cookies I leave on the platter. So I, I'm not getting I would I'm not going to I'm not going to like say no to it, but if I've got other options, I'm definitely going another direction like say a Spumoni cookie that these guys have left behind. Fair enough. So, it's funny because the cookie you just described, I've had uh from a Moroccan bakery where they frost the top as well and they are delicious. Either way, so my top 3, my number 1 with a bullet is a molasses cookie. I love a good molasses cookie. What's Christmas about that? They're always around Christmas. I don't know. They're molasses cookies. No, oh, okay. You don't think that's a Christmas cookie? It's just a cookie. It's a great cookie, but it's just a cookie. I, like, I eat molasses cookies all year long. That's fair. Okay. You know what? To, to be fair, so do I. But for some reason, <laughs> I associate that with Christmas because they generally are around during Christmas. Um, my number two is probably the peanut butter with the, with the Hershey's You're like chocolate chip. No, I'm going to be. No, I'm, like I'm going to be. That hmm? one you're looking at there. Which one? That one. Oh, this thing? Oh, they call it a Linzer cookie. Yeah, my grandma used to make those with a little jam in the middle. Oh, um, yeah, I like the jam. I do, too. So the one that I was looking up, I want to make sure I had the, the name right, my number three, and it's because not everyone likes these, so they're always left over, and that is the Danish butter cookie, which is like that little weird shortbread-looking thing. I don't like shortbread. I love well, it. Well, now, hold on. Are you talking about the one that's like... Looks like, a, looks like a turd, kind of, almost. Okay, these are the ones that come in the, the, I'd, the I'd things rather that have hold spumoni. sewing supplies. They often do come... They, a lot of these types of cookies do come in those, those bins. Those tins? Yes. Oh, I yes. hate the cookies in the tin. I love them. The I love them all. It's okay. so bad. Yep. I don't mind them at all. I I, I, yep. I can get behind you with this. So that's now, what those I are thought my you were ones. saying was like the Danish wedding cookie that looks like a. It's just like a, a ball almost with powdered sugar all over it and stuff. Oh, and those like, are good too. Yeah. And I was about to give you some. There is on that. a. I had a Moroccan cookie, which is basically like an almond. Yeah. Flour. And it was just. It was big and it was like almost like a sugar cookie, but it was way softer and almond with powdered sugar. It was amazing. One of the best cookies I've ever had. All right, you guys left right, so much meat on the bone here. The number one with a bullet is the cornflake wreath, the wreath cookie. Oh, First the... off, I've never had that, and why I would have. you want a cornflake? <laughs> it's right, like a no, no, number one with a bullet just, is cornflakes. It's just a worse rice krispie treat, Adam. No, it's dipped in marshmallow. It's a, no, it's a better because it's, it's better consistency. But either way, I've corn had corn dipped fine. in marshmallow. Make a monster. It's not my favorite cookie. <laughs> They're awesome. They're awesome. Uh, magic bars. Everybody loves magic bars. I don't even know what that means. It's the, they got coconut on top. They're... It's like the condensed oh, milk with the coconut. Yeah. And, uh, he's. I, I don't brown, like. The... I hate coconut, but he's right. They're, I was like, they're I'm in on coconut, so you got me. Yeah, you'll love magic bars. And the other thing, I don't know if anyone else ever had this. Aunt Jean, if you are listening, I love your mini cheesecakes. It's a family tradition on our side. The Aunt Jean would bring them every year my sister dawn has picked up the mantle on our side now she brings mini cheesecakes i don't think those count as a cookie they do because they're on the cookie tray no they're on the cookie tray they count as a cookie mini cheesecakes if i put a pizza on a cookie tray would it be a cookie yes it gets passed around did you guys do this when you were growing up the one of the adults makes the cookie tray and then it gets passed around after dinner and yes you pass it around but no that doesn't make that a cookie it does it's amazing on the cookie tray no 
mini cheesecakes. So my great. grandma. So you, your favorite cookies are a Rice Krispie treat made with frosted flakes <laughs> and a cheesecake. Good choices. To you be all better than You pick one cookie out of those three. And none of them and ever actually, cut a cheese. That was not. That was a weird coconut bar. Like you didn't pick a cookie. <laughs> you know what else is great? Oreo balls. And oh. brownies. Oreo balls are the Oreo best. balls are the number one. I, hold on, I should have brought Oreo I, balls. Are Oreo ball, one. I would actually leave Danish. I would replace yeah. peanut butter chocolate Oreo balls. Or she kiss one. cookies with Oreo balls. They're the best. They are. Whoever thought of those like five, six years ago or ten years ago? They they're everywhere. All you the mash time. up Oreos yeah. with cream cheese yeah. and then you dip yeah. them in chocolate. So my grandma spent my entire childhood making like seventeen different cookies and then binning them up and delivering them to all of us. It was amazing. In my teen years, she lost her fastball. <laughs> Oh no! And they got <laughs> worse. They got worse and worse every year to the point where it was like a challenge to find the ones that were edible. And I love my grandma. It wasn't that she. I mean, she was you know, very sound. She just something in that process was getting away from her. And her, you know, as she got older, and so unfortunately, the the tail end of the cookie making was not great. But I do love that cookie. That mixed cookie box platter oh, yeah. is a great time. No one went with any kind of like peppermint bark or any kind of like almond or or, or, or peanut brittle sugar or cookie yeah those well are i love peanut brittle but not really cookie not peppermint really bark's okay i mean i like a sugar cookie like a frosted but they're they're way down the list for me way down the list yeah i mean that's the most common one where you get paint them like a candy can or whatever but yeah <laughs> no one went gingerbread <laughs> or something either. else no well, i i i don't like gingerbread so at all i actually went I like molasses cookie i probably should have got i love gingerbread so if you want to say molasses cookie isn't seasonal now, then i would take gingerbread which one of y'all just said you don't like shortbread me. Ben, it's ben. terrible. Ooh, I know it's crunchy. I but don't like. I like soft cookies. I don't like crunchy cookies. <laughs> like the original Chips Ahoy, like a crunchy You're, cookie. Who wants that? I'll take one. Why? Yeah, I like them. I like them all. Uh, listen, he, I per- eats, he eats that whole Danish tin of cookies that it's are true. hard as a brick. They're amazing. They're awesome. I, I bet if you buttered it and air fried it, it'd be better. I wouldn't suck. Hundred percent. Yeah. I'm on board of the air fried train. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get one? Know. Yeah, I got one for oh. the, at the wedding. Awesome. Jug at the ninja, the yes. one that like folds up and like hides a little bit. Only now it's just super, <laughs> super hidden vertically. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It's two drawers though, and I can two like drawers is nice. And I can uh, I only have one drawer. Or nice. I can I can program yeah. it so that they finish at the same time. Nice. That's great. So I can do like French fries and chicken nuggets at the same oh, time. So great. You know, normally when you're at Chili's, you're like, oh, those fries are no good. We're not putting them in the box. But when you got an air fryer, put them leftover fries in the box. They're going to be so much They're better. They're going to be so much better tomorrow. So true. Guys, the other thing I want to touch on, you've been seeing my 3D printer antics. Yeah. I've been posting them online. Uh, y- y'all need to come up with a great idea. Y'all need to channel your inner Julio Nazario and come up with some crazy idea that needs a big plastic thing because I'm itching to make something game-related with my 3D printer. I've made some meeples, made a sweet car for Motor City. All right, I got an idea. All right, let's hear it. We're going to revisit Ladder 29. (laughs) (laughs) Only with a (laughs) two-foot-tall plastic building. Sounds great. That like you can send firefighters up to like rescue children out of the building yeah. that's on fire. Are we also playing cards still? Like how does that part work? Yeah, and dice. Oh, cool. Okay. Zombies. Zombies. I love it. I can't do my Maybe. Richard anymore. I know. We Should have zombies. I need Halstead to do my Richard. Hey Tiff. Hey Tiff. Hey Tiff. There it is. You know what you need? Hey, hey Dan. <laughs> you know what you need? A two foot tall plastic <laughs> tower to go with this card game. 
Seriously though, come up with some good ideas. I'm uh, I've been designing these cool little letters with my kids' names. I was pretty stoked yeah, I saw about the unicorn. Edith's unicorn. That was, was pretty great. awesome. That was this moment of inspiration. It was it was pretty sweet. Anyway, you guys need a great idea because I'm on fire with my free CAD system in the printer, but I'm kind of out of ideas. <laughs> it's been a long two years. I'm tapped, man. But, oh, actually, I was going to say, we play-tested French Quarter a bunch uh, in the last couple of weeks. That's going phenomenal. It, it is. It is um, really going well. It's going super great, and I'm super excited on that one. Um, we're, we'll never be out of rolling right ideas. We've no. got like three or four already backlogs. So. We do. Well, speaking of that, I actually have to, now that I wanted to get through Motor City, and now that Motor City's going to be out to the reviewers soon, we're going to publish that Durango PMP to a few blind tester folks. We've had, we had a couple a private chosen ones. chosen few. Yeah, but I'm going to put it out there for a little more public consumption. It is, you know, the thing with PMP's designer friends that are listening is that it's a volume, much like Adam referenced earlier really with my basketball skills, which, by the way, very accurate. I'm a volume shooter. But, hey, you miss every shot you don't take. Exactly. Uh, you got to get a lot of PMPs out there to get feedback because folks earnestly want to play it, but life gets in the way, and that's fine. Yeah. We're never mad at anybody for not playing a PMP they, they, they take from us. But it certainly helps to get some... You know, as, many, the many, as many conferences as you can get out there, people trying to play it, you'll get some plays back. So we'll be uh, hitting up Durango soon. All right. If you're out there and you don't have Motor City Gameworks swag, I think you need some. Adam, where do they go if they want a sweet T-shirt, a hoodie, a mug, something cool? Go to the website. Which uh, is? MotorCityGameworks.com. There it is. And there you can click on our shop. And what should they buy? What What's the flagship? The flagship is the is the logo seal. Yep, do it. That's uh, the best one. And yep. there are several different colors of that. And you can get it 100% cotton. You can get it all the way up through 5X. Uh, if you go with the tri-blend, you're talking about the softest, most comfortable shirt you're mm-hmm. ever going to put on My your body. My favorite t-shirt I own. Right. It's it's amazing. Thanks, I buddy. Just, by the way, uh, you, you, we've mentioned weight loss in the last few times. I was just able to replace my 100% cotton with a tri-blend. No nice. way. And Boom. it feels great it does i was able to feel like i'm putting a shirt made of lotion it's true it's no my body that's that's a great point because i was able to actually fit into my tri-blend (laughs) that i bought last year and never was able to wear or wear and now i can it's fantastic still running the sale um the the sale just ended oh i just just ended all right i'll give you full price all right i appreciate that All all right adam anything else for our listeners no, just follow along on Twitter at Adam Hill Games if you're looking for any good conversation about games or something else. I don't know. Sometimes right I get wild. And if you need someone to talk to, Adam is by far the best guy yep. out of us four. He loves you, and he wants to talk to you. He 100%. Does. Matt, what's up? Doing great. Nothing. Just, you know. MD Riddlin on Twitter. MD Riddlin and everything else we talk about is all I do now. So we're good. Right on. Kevin, what's up? If you guys want to get get a hold of me and, and learn more of my game design class, uh, I'm on Twitter. I think I'm at Crowther Games at this point. I think is what my Twitter is. And uh, good good marketing. Yeah, yeah, That's and uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to you if, if you have interest in running the class or just want to hear about it. Or uh, we'll actually in the next several weeks we'll be posting uh, a couple of geek lists with all my students' prototypes on it. Oh, yep. sweet. So. Uh, I'll post that on Twitter and maybe you guys will retweet it or send it out yeah. too. But if people are listening and want to want to check that out, then yeah, yeah. if you uh, listen to this, it. you want to give back to the community, next generation, check out their protos, give them some comments. It's always a lot of fun to do that. And Kevin, you're doing a great job. Thank it's you. It's really cool that you're doing that for the students. And sorry, I can't be there tomorrow, but it's always really fun to get to come in and talk. So you'll have fun with the guys tomorrow. 
but it's sweet, nice. man. It's cool good you're stuff. doing that. Ben, where can they find you? They can find me at Pinchback21 on Twitter. That's basically where I hang out. And that's all I got, guys. Everyone, have a great holiday, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, just want to say thanks so much for inviting me. It's an honor being the uh, the first guest on the first show. I didn't, I didn't realize that I, that right, it was going to happen. It just kind of we talked about it earlier today, and I didn't think about it. It's awesome. Thanks so much. I love you guys. I'll spend time with you. Love you too, man. That's great. See ya. See ya. Peace. I'm to get me